Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane, the ordinary, something that just sort of happens. One thing that we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating so that you can just relax, drift off, lie, listen, and maybe sleep. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep and follow our tweets at listen and sweep. Sound like I said sweep, but it's listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and joining me today, I have the privilege of having a dear friend and talented voice, Trevor Martin, to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Trevor, you and I have been friends for quite some time. I'd say about say 15 years it's, now. It's yeah. been that long, it's huh? about 15 years, yeah. Wow. It, it feels like it and it doesn't. Yes, it did. And one thing that I discovered about you prior to knowing you in those 15 years was that you were a baker. That's right. After uh, my after my last year of university, mm-hmm. I was uh, uh, living in uh, Kitchener, Ontario. Actually, outside of Kitchener, Ontario, in a town called Winterburn. Winterburn. Uh, What's Winterburn famous for? Uh, I would say that Winterburn is famous for uh, being close to uh, West Montrose, which okay. is where the Kissing Bridge is. Oh. Yeah. So. Um, the Kissing Bridge is a covered bridge. I think it's the longest or the oldest uh, covered bridge in Ontario. Okay. Uh, and uh, it, there's also a, quite a big Mennonite community oh. in that area. So uh, it's a very, very small town. Um, really, there's not... Yeah, you, you just... it's. I would classify it as a hamlet, probably. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. And you mentioned the Mennonites, which brings me back to baking, because they're famous for their baking. True. So. You said after university, you... I began, uh, I got a job as a baker. Uh, I applied to uh, several jobs, as, you know, one does when they're out of university to make some money to, uh, because I wanted to move to Toronto to start my uh, career as an actor and a writer. Sure. Uh, and uh, one, of the, uh, one of the jobs that I applied for was for a baker. Okay. Paid fifteen dollars an hour. Okay, would be in nineteen ninety nine, I guess. Uh, And uh, so a decent wage. Not a bad wage. Not at all. Um, I I happened to uh, show up. Uh, I got a call from the gentleman. Uh, He said, "Can you get down there here right away?" And I got uh, down there as soon as I could. I just put threw some clothes on. It was very early on a Saturday morning. 
and uh, I uh, went and had a brief interview with him, and he said that uh, I was hired. Okay. And I got up to leave, and another young man got in the door and said, "Hi, I'm here for the job," and. The, the owner said, no, I'm sorry, this gentleman beat you to it. Oh, well, So he had called a few people, and I was the one who just happened to get there on time. <laughs> well, there you go. I, like, I guess uh, the sleepy bird doesn't get the worm. The early baker it? gets the bread, yeah. So tell me about baking, things you've learned or things that you found interesting. The thing uh, I found about baking was it really is a lot of science. Because they say that cooking is an art but baking is a science it's true and it's absolutely true and there are so many things that you have to um account for uh, when you're baking and it's uh it's i i was a baker only for a few months actually but i did it every day for three months four months and uh it by the end of it i still hadn't i still wouldn't have considered myself a master baker or sure. even a um even uh, a professional baker okay. i mean I, I i guess technically i was a professional baker but there was so much more i had to learn right sure um but uh, it was uh, there were long days and the, the the main thing about baking is it starts really early in the morning why is that i always wondered because you know a lot of pastry chefs mm-hmm. start their day at 4 a.m yeah a lot of bakers you know you've got to have that bread weight but why do they have to get up so early because people want to eat uh bread in the morning they want to get their bread uh, in the morning or their pastries I, we also made uh, croissants Yum. and uh, uh, they were all butter croissants they were mm. beautiful um, and uh, we made bagels as well Wow! and essentially everything was sold out before noon really because people and I think a lot of people are like this and Kitchener being a very uh, German town right. uh, has a European sensibility to it I think a lot of older uh, kind of people who are from Europe like to have their baked goods first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, I, I would get there at four in the morning, wow. uh, start everything, boil the water for the bagels, honey water, um, and then get everything. So when you say honey water, it's a water that you put honey and then you boil it so that that's right and and so you you uh you make the the dough the dough is usually made the day before and then uh the uh i didn't actually make the bagels there was another guy who came in uh two hours after i got there would you would it be safe to call him the bagel meister i think it would be safe to call him the bagel meister he was uh he was he was only a few years younger older than me sorry and uh he uh, he would uh, make the bagels. So there was a machine that he would uh, put the dough in, and mm-hmm. it would roll the bagels, and then he would boil them in honey water, and that's how they got their their sheen, their oh. their that kind of sweet, glossy uh, exterior coating. Yeah. A question for you: Were you making Montreal style bagels, or um... I mean, they were Montreal style bagels, and, the and they were made in a wood oven? And that was actually my first job, uh, my first uh, duty uh, after opening the shop mm-hmm. was to get the fire started at four in the morning so that it would be hot enough 
at six in the morning for him to start I making see. the bagels. Yeah. The reason I bring up the Montreal bagel is we had an episode because Nitty is from Montreal mm-hmm. and we explained the Montreal style bagel versus the New York style bagel, and then mm-hmm. we found out about Detroit style bagels. Oh. And I, I I don't know uh, about any of those bagels other than the ones Montreal. that were made at this bakery. Because yeah. when you talk bagels, it can bring you down quite a rabbit hole. No, so, it's, yeah. So what would you bake? You would get things prepared for the bagel meister. But what was your when uh, you got in there at four a.m. First of all, were you tired? Uh, I was always tired. Okay, yeah. and so you, so the baker gets there tired. The baker uh, the baker is tired. Okay. Um, start off with some coffee. The uh, my my first job of the morning, as I drove in, mm-hmm. I drove into the parking lot and there was a pile of wood. And uh, would this be the wood that? would you use for the bagel yes okay. it was uh the thing about the pile of wood is usually various critters had crawled into it in order to uh you know find shelter sure and so i had to get them out of there usually they were either raccoons or skunks or anything like that so i'd flick my high beams a little bit i didn't want to wake anybody up in the neighborhood right um it was in a residential area but it's still uh and uh yeah, I'd see the little critters wander wow. out of the woodpile and as, as if they knew, okay, it's time, you know, it's morning, I'm, I, I've, I've worn out my welcome. Sounds like a Disney, Disney film. <laughs> a, a little bit. It was, yeah, they were groggy, just like me. Okay. Uh, and so then I would open the store and then I would start the fire. Uh, and that would be to, to make the bagels. But then it was my job to uh, uh, make the bread. And we made a... Uh, he called it the baker. The owner called it a Pugilese style uh, sourdough. Okay, um, and it was uh, very rustic, very uh, kind of brown, sour, like out of oh. sourdough. So this is interesting because there's so much behind the sourdough, mm-hmm. and the mother dough is that right? Yeah, okay, the, so the biga is what he he okay. called it. Yeah, and so there's. I'm not exactly sure how old his bega was, but it was years old. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, it's that mother dough that you mm-hmm. start with, and uh, and then you're just adding more uh, of the flour to it and the right. yeast and, uh, and some water. Um, how much would you use of the mother dough? And I know, like, places in Sweden have some breads that yeah. they have mother doughs from hundreds and hundreds oh, of yes. years that have been passed on to their families so much so that when they go on vacation mm-hmm. they have um mother dough um nannies or sure. like, uh, babysitters that will babysit the mother dough so that it doesn't i don't know what like uh, grow too yeah ferment too or much it or, gets or, yeah. used and, and stays um viable yes so yeah. so how much would you use like do you just take a little a little sort of like dash of it or do you take a big sort of chunk of it i feel like it was I mean, it, to say that it was dough would be, it wasn't like a big, right. it, it wasn't that, that uh, solid. It was more of a, a in a liquid state. Like so, a yeast or like a... Yeah, almost like a liquid yeast. Okay. And uh, so you would use about a cup of it. Oh, okay. Um, because I, we were making a lot of bread. Right. I mean, we were making upwards of, you know, five or six dozen loaves of okay. bread. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it, it was enough to, uh, I guess, create establish the flavor get that sort of sour quality to the bread sure um uh so the so i would uh include that and, and then there were you know there was a, lots of flour and it was a big mixer uh um 
I can't remember the exact Like an volume. industrial mixer that yeah. has the big sort of, um, are they like paddles, I guess? Yeah, yeah, I guess it, it was like, it, like a, uh, I guess a spiral shape. Oh, spiral, uh, okay. Yeah, and, um, and so, you, you know, you would mix up that dough and, and then purport, and then portion it. And the, and the key was uh, everything is measured, measured perfectly because, right. you know, you're, you're selling it and you need to sell it. They have to be in the right proportions. And, and that's what makes baking a science, right? Because if you get your proportions wrong. Yeah. Or you forget something. There's no coming back from that. Well, there was also, if it was humid that day. Oh. You had to use less moisture. You had to put less water in. And, and that was something you kind of had to eyeball. And when you're a 19-year-old, well, I was older than that. I was like 22-year-old kid. Sure. You're, you know, it, that's not something you realize right, right away. So there were a lot of, there were a few dough, bread batches that were kind of flat. They were okay. on the uh, less leavened side, I guess. You made matzah. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, and, uh, and you'd get some comments from some of the older German patrons of it. <laughs> their, dough, their bread didn't look right. But, right. But uh, the owner was a, was a nice guy. He Mennonite, a uh, new order Mennonite. Oh, wow. He actually came into baking uh, from sculpting. He was a sculptor, actually a, a well-regarded sculptor. Wow. And he used a kiln. And so he had a, a, a you know, he the, he had used ovens before. So he had an appreciation for the, sure. the bake, I guess. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then decided, you know, his passion was bread and so he went to Italy and he, he oh. went to all all across Europe and sampled different breads and uh, came back with some recipes and and then yeah just made it his commitment now it's actually a, a very it's a chain uh, oh. in that area yeah have you been back yes I have been back uh, and uh, I, I went back a few years after I had left and the woman who was making the pizzas, because they also made pizzas for lunch in the mm -hmm. wood oven, uh, saw me and, and remembered oh. me and, and gave me a pizza. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, Trevor. Yeah. What makes good bread for you? If you were to, if you were to go and buy bread, what as, as someone who worked in a bakery, mm. who was a baker, and not yeah. quite a bagelmeister, but mm -hmm. still... Well, We'll, we'll grant you some latitude there because sure. you did make the honey with water. When you go looking for baked goods, yeah, what are the things that you say this is good versus this, which is not uh, so good? I, I, I feel like uh, the first thing is obviously what it looks like. You you want something you want something that's. I mean, again, it depends on what you're baking, but you want the color to be right. Okay. Uh, the bread that we were making was like a like a, a rye almost, right. and so there was a, a darkness to it, a brown kind of, and because it was so rustic, there was a little bit of flour still on top. Oh, I love it. that. So that yeah, it looked really beautiful and very inviting. Uh, I usually like a harder crust, like something with a little slightly thicker crust, mm -hmm. uh, and then this specifically had a, that sour element to it. So, uh, so and I think. I guess being from a German family, mm -hmm. uh, that you know, rye was you know was something that was in my family. We usually sure. uh, lean towards the sour or the the heavier breads and those things. The like hearty that. breads. The hearty breads. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The breads that would sort of like it's interesting because when you look at breads in different cultures, mm -hmm. you see how they utilize that um, essential sort of food item yeah. with their cuisine. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you go to Tuscany, the bread won't be salted. 
it'll lack salt because right. what they pair the bread with is very salty. In other words, a lot of the sort of prosciuttos and salumi that yeah. they have there are very salty. So if you have salty bread with salty salumi, it it over burdens your mm -hmm. your palate with salt. Yeah. So they modify that way. But if you go to different if you go to, to look at different countries and you see the breads that they use. Mm -hmm. So for example, in Germanic countries, hearty breads, mm -hmm. breads that are going to go well with stews, mm -hmm. uh, wintery type breads or breads yeah. that are going to be hearty for the winter. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very it's very interesting and I I think uh yeah, he obviously picked this bread because it was going to sell to that right. that specific culture and uh I loved it. One of the benefits of the job was I went home with a lot of bread. Right. And so all of my friends, and being like a university student or just out of university, I had a lot of friends who would, didn't mind having a loaf of bread right. <laughs> every once in a while. So uh, it, was, uh, it was, yeah, it was a fun job. It was, and the other thing, they, they had uh, butter tarts there. Oh, so we should explain to our listeners who are not from Canada mm -hmm. that butter tarts are a... Um, sweet that is made in Canada. It's a Canadian specifically sweet. Ontario, I believe. Is it like I, th I think it's an Ontario del delicacy. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So from this province, but I, I think I've seen it out west too. Mm, possibly, but I, I I think it came from here. Okay. Yeah. So born here, mm -hmm. the butter tart. How would you describe it, Trevor? Before we go on, because I already know what you're going to say is going to be interesting. So let's I, let's describe it. I describe a butter tart to my American relatives or or anyone who hasn't tried one. Imagine. A pecan pie without the pecans, so it's essentially a tart with a very buttery, floury, uh, decadent uh, crust, and then inside is essentially just a beautiful brown sugar um, syrupy. And this is the way that I like butter tarts. And I just want to modify what you said, yeah. if you don't mind, is that it's gooier than a, yeah. uh, a pecan pie. So if you were to make it in a tart, and the, the pastry in the tart in particular is very flaky. Flaky, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, but you From were saying butter, like how, yeah. how you like it. Well, see, it, it, I, I've seen a few butter tarts in my day. <laughs> sure. and some of them have almost a gel gelatinous quality, yes. kind of like a pecan pie. And I think those are the store brands. Right. But the ones that are really good, it's almost like a liquid state. Yeah. So when you when you bite into it, you need several napkins just yes. to make sure that you're protected. Yeah, it's almost like um, like a golden molasses. Yeah, almost kind of. And I don't know what what that center is. Is it just? It's. I think it's brown sugar brown and sugar. butter and uh, and yeah. goodness. Now yeah. I like the traditional butter tart that has mm -hmm. raisins in it. Okay. I, I I'm not a I'm not averse to raisins, but okay. I, I I almost always dislike raisins. But butter tarts are oh. one of the things that I will accept raisins. In. So where don't you like your raisins? Almost everything else. Really? The, literally almost everything. What else. about just raisins, just like that? And uh, like, would you eat raisins just like that? Uh, yeah, you know, if somebody had like a box of raisins, I might have a couple. Okay. But if they're in a salad, or if really? they're in, I. It just, I, I just find I don't want that texture. So cinnamon raisin bread is not your, is not your game. Oh well, maybe, maybe okay. I'll have, a, maybe a little bit of that, or maybe in in, in one of the, in like a, a Christmas, uh, Christmas like one of those Christmassy uh, cakes or something like that. I'll take it, but usually I, I think it stems from being a kid and always being fooled into thinking I'm eating a chocolate chip cookie and it's a raisin cookie, raisin, and I'm like, oh no. Have you ever had raisins soaked in liquor? 
I feel like I have. Because my grandmother would take raisins, and they'd soak them in grappa. Yeah. And then they would take the grappa, the grappa-soaked raisins, and grappa is a, uh, an Italian sort of... Uh, Liqueur, it's made of the skin of the grapes. The skin yeah. and, the, and, the, yeah. and the sticks and the leaves of the yeah. grapes, and it's like a, a, an alcohol. Mm-hmm. If you haven't had it, it's wonderful. But they would soak the raisins in grappa, wow. and then they'd put it on their ice cream. Okay. And the interesting thing is they would also feed it to us kids. And I don't know if it was because we, <laughs> want, we wanted it. Sure. But I remember as a kid having these really strong raisins with my ice cream. Uh, Listen, if you have to soak it in alcohol, it's not fair. It's enough. not fair. fair but, <laughs> I'll eat it if it's okay, soaked in alcohol. So you know what, Trevor? I endeavor to make you... I'm going to ask my mother how to make this. They called it uvetta, but this raisin soaked in grappa. Maybe and you and I will have some and see if it changes your, your oh, perspective. Oh, certainly, reasons. absolutely. Can I ask you, uh, panettone, should panettone have raisins in it? Oh, that's a really good question. So panettone, and I think we may have discussed this in another episode as well, is a traditional Christmas um, bread, yeah. Italian Christmas mm-hmm. bread. And you'll get versions of it around Easter, so around religious holidays. And it is a sweet bread. Mm-hmm. And traditionally it has raisins and... Um, candied orange or candied citrus in it. Now, I think it all depends on where in Italy that panettone is made. And I think the panettone that I just mentioned and that you asked is from Milano, mm-hmm. the Milan area, or Lombardia. And I know that in Verona, they make a version of panettone called pandoro. So one could argue that it's not actually panettone, it's mm-hmm. its own thing called pandoro, which is taller and has no, it's just the sweet bread. And then when you get it and you pur- you purchase it in a box, it comes with powdered sugar, a little packet that you right. spread all over it. Now, over the years, the panettone has sort of morphed into other things where you can get panettone that's filled with chocolate or lemon cream or panettone that has, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of weird things sure, in it, right? Yeah. And usually the top of the panettone has a sugar glaze on it, a very hard crumbly sugar please and i think i mentioned this on a previous episode was that your wife dale yes. had told me what to do with stale panettone oh my gosh not and, even stale well, yeah, fair enough <laughs> if it lasts but, that long because panettone one of the interesting things about panettone is that when you cut it and you eat it that day it's very fresh but the next day the outer layer that's been cut gets a little bit yeah. not stale but harder yeah and if you wait too long, panettone can get can dry out. Right. And Dale said, make French toast with it. It's true. And it's she's true. promised me that she was going to make me French toast out of panettone, and uh, she never did. Well, I'm going to toot my own horn and say okay. I am the one who thought to make French toast oh. out of panettone and made her panettone French toast one Christmas uh, holiday. And See, and she doesn't give you credit for that. No. So what's your secret? So, so let's walk me through your Christmas panettone uh, French toast. Here's, here's the thing. Okay. I do not like French toast. I oh, really? think that it is the worst breakfast really? item that you can possibly... I just... I, eggy bread does not appeal to me. See, and I love it. Okay. Same. But the idea of 
taking the panettone, which is already sweet, right. and then incorporating the egg, and then I also use a vanilla extract, vanilla, sure. and uh, maybe like depending on if we have some alcohol or depending who's eating it, right? If there's kids, I'm not going to put rum in it, but like if there's like if we have some. Uh, like a, a spiced rum, like a, the Kraken or something yeah, like one that. One of our favorite runs, sure. Yes, I'll, I'll add a little bit of that. Soak it, soak, soak, so cut, cut thick, the panettone thick. Oh, cut it thick. Cut it thick. Okay. And then soak it in the mixture. So it's egg, uh, milk, or cream, depending on how. What's decadent. your preference? What's your preference? Uh, a, little, a little of both, depending okay. on what we have. Usually. Okay. This is something I'll make at a cottage, and okay. it's like whatever, whatever's around. Whatever's if around. If you get those little creamers from the local coffee shop, <laughs> open fifteen packets, and that's what you, you do. Use. What you do, what you have to do, and then uh, yeah, and then uh, flavor it with yeah, vanilla or or maybe some rum. That that all works. Could so, you use both? Uh, you could use both. I would. I wouldn't. I okay. would just use the vanilla or, or one or the other. It's just too much. Sure, but. Uh, yeah, soak it for a while. If you want to do it overnight, do it overnight. Really? Do it overnight. W- won't the bread crumble in the mixture? Uh, I, no, it should, it, that's why you cut it thick. Thick. So that, that it's not like... Uh, I, you, I, usually I don't think ahead. Like I'm at a cottage and I'm right. not thinking that far ahead. But if I, even if you just soak it for an hour or two, mm-hmm. it's enough to, to really get in there. Right. And then, you know... F- Fry it hot on in butter on both sides, Yum. and then serve it. And then I always serve it with something salty because it's too sweet. It's too sweet. You need to have the so you don't put any syrup on it. Then you don't have to. Okay, you can put powdered sugar on it. You could put syrup. I mean, if it's around, you, you'll have it. But so, what's the savory or the salty item that you? Well, oh, usually like a bacon mm-hmm. or something like that, or uh, yeah, or sausage or like you know. See, I find it interesting that you soak it overnight because panettone is so absorbent. It's like a sponge because yeah. I always would have it with my coffee. So I take the panettone and I dip it in my coffee cup. And when I pull the panettone out, most of the coffee's gone. It's uh, yeah, in the actual yeah. panettone. So I, I'm interested. You know what? I, I, I did it once mm-hmm. and I didn't believe it. That it was, I thought it was, oh, this is just going to break apart. And sure. it stayed together. And maybe it's because I cut it so thick. Maybe oh, it was well, really stale. Well, it sounds like that's the secret, really, yeah, is, is how thick you cut your panettone. Yeah. Well, Trevor, I'm going to hold you to this. Okay. And we're going to have this... Uh, panettone French toast. Sounds like it's the last thing I do. Thank you so much for being a part of our show. Oh, it's uh, a pleasure. This particular episode uh, on baking. I just kind of went there, but um, if you could have one baked item with you at all times, what would it be? Um, there's a coffee cake mm-hmm. that my and and near my house, near my grandparents' house in Winterburn. Uh, there's another town called Conestogo, mm-hmm. and there's a shop where there's these Mennonite women make baked goods, and they're usually very popular around Christmas time. But they also make a coffee cake, and it's very simple. It's a very round cake, mm-hmm. kind of like panettone, but okay. not as not as high. Tall, yeah. And it covered in brown sugar, yeah. brown sugar top, and it is like that's Christmas morning to me. That's Christmas morning, yeah. So there you go. Well, Trevor, this episode was about baking. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to have you in to talk about butchering and then about candlestick making. Oh, so, I love so it. Yeah. Get on that. Trevor Martin, <laughs> thank you so much for being part of the Insomnia Project. My as, pleasure. Thank you. As always, we are produced by Drumcast Productions, and we are currently recording in Toronto, just a pinch away from Queen Street in Leslieville. Leslieville? Uh, we're technically the beach. Oh, the yeah. beach. So we're the beach in Toronto. Enjoy. <laughs>